says his professional wrestler called Val Venus was his name when he debuted in the late 90s. I've been re-watching old episodes of Monday Night Raw mm. from the 90s, from the turn of the millennium. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that show, I say. I mean, I watched it all back in the day, but going back and re-watching it, there's a lot of, oh, oh, they, they said that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I got to the bit where Val Venus had his penis cut off. Mm. His Val Venus penis. Yeah. So Val Val Venus's whole thing was he was a porn star who wrestled. Right. Obviously. Oh, of course. I see. Yeah, he'd come out and say hello, ladies. Something about his cock. <laughs> hmm. And then he'd wrestle and he'd do a big sort of splash move. Sort of off the top rope. It was called the money shot, mm. obviously. Yeah. And one of his things was if he was slighted or attacked by an opponent, uh, he would come out and address them and be all like, here's my latest movie. And it would be him sleeping with that person's wife. <gasps> Classy. Oh. Yeah. So he crosses paths with Kai and Tai. At some point, we'll tell you what they all did with a group of Japanese wrestlers. But for now, they're called Kai and Tai and they're managed by Mr. Yamaguchi, whose wife Valvina sleeps with. <gasps> mm. Yeah. So... Mr. Yamaguchi's, Mr. Yamaguchi's uh, solution to this is to, obviously, it's wrestling, attack Val Venus. Right. Drag him away and cut his penis off with a katana. Um. Oh. There's a certain way Mr. Yamaguchi said remove the penis. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say it. Yeah, that seems like a good call. Yeah. This is, this is, this is how a show closed on primetime TV. The katana raised, the katana falling as Valvina's back to the camera is held in place by Kai and Tai. Fade to black, cliffhanger till next week. Did they cut off Valvina's penis? I mean, that could be the end of Valvina's career. Right? I hate to, to maybe slightly derail this, but I've just discovered something on a very similar topic that I feel the need to share with you both, because I can't be the only one who knows about what I've just encountered. It also involves penises and fighting. In our little Facebook chat, I have sent you an image link. The front cover to a manga called Dick Fight Island. Huh. 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 A thing I have discovered exists? I don't know how to describe it other than this is a very pretty anime boy whose genitals are a big weapon. Well, I mean, do we know that that's genitals or or is the big weapon just attached over the genitals? No, that is the ge- that is the genitals. Um, I have a plot synopsis. Oh. Um, I'm having a read. Okay. The tournament to choose the next king of the islands is about to begin. The rules are simple. Whoever comes first loses. Uh-huh. Dick Fight Island. Their sword dicks grow bigger and larger and more elaborate with each tournament. But one warrior has returned from studying abroad with a technique certain to force a pleasurable eruption. You ever you ever hear an idea <laughs> described to you that makes you just so furious? Like so <laughs> angry. 
because it was right there in front of you all along. And if you just stopped for a moment and consider it, you could have been the creator of Dick Fight Island. Any one of us could have been the person to create this thing. I'm looking at concept art from it. It's literally just fucking Final Fantasy characters, but they've got a sword for a dick. And I'm like, any one of us could have created it's Sephiroth, but he's going to fight you with his penis. I'm so mad. See, the reason I think this is relevant to the discussion we were having, Valvina, I want to see the crossover happen now. I want to see Valvina versus the boys of Dick Fight Island. Yeah, I'm not following Dick Fight Island video games. (laughs) (laughs) You, video games, suggestion. Well... The power of Dick Fight Island was so strong it made Steph want to talk about video games. I am shocked and I will grab the opportunity and run with it. Who's played a video game this week? (laughs) I have. I'll start us off. Myself and you, Steph, we both played uh, Resident Evil 8 this week. Oh, I played it too. I just didn't bother to say so. Oh. We've all played Resident Evil Village, the new one. Speaking of things getting chopped off. Mm. Speaking of things getting chopped off. That's his one personality trait. Has a baby, doesn't have fingers. Yeah. Has very poor luck trying to sit down for dinners. Yeah. And and gets real judgy about other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't be don't be so weird about it. Everyone's body's unique. He's judgy. Yeah. That's the problem with Ethan <laughs> Winters, right? He's judgy. <laughs> And he, and he has no personality. <laughs> so, I really like Resident Evil Village. I've been going back and forth about how I feel about it. I think I prefer it to Seven. It's narratively reminding me of all of the stupid, nonsensical things that I loved about Resident Evil 4. Like, it's it's not trying to be that game again, but it's got that same level of, oh, every one of these bosses I come across is, like, slightly laughable as well as slightly horrifying, and that's perfect. That's what I want out of Resident Evil. Yeah. Well, Resident Evil 4, what I liked about it was there was this sort of flavour of Metal Gear Solid to it, not just with the Codex-style conversations, but there is a serious story there, but it's covered in meta jokes and just campiness you know there is a very serious story to be told but there's also a very there's a very small angry man in an in a napoleon hat yeah mm-hmm. that, that is very mad at you for example and it just manages to balance you know a man looking for his kidnapped daughter that gets really dark at places yeah with cackling ghost dolls and Thor Magneto putting on a show for werewolves. It's got a really good balancing act of like, ah ha ha, it's so funny letting the big tall vampire lady chase me. Oh, I wonder if she's going to get me. Oh no, I just found out what I've been carrying around and it's horrifying. Anyway, off to go see what all the sticky stuff in the next area is about. Oh yeah. Oh, look at this. (laughs) This looks dangerously (laughs) umbilical. Let's follow it. And it's got other similarities as well to Resident Evil 4 to the point where it's like, I feel like the game's deliberately trying to communicate that's what it's doing. Like the little glimmery treasures on walls and ceilings. Mm-hmm. The person that you go to to upgrade your weapons yeah. and where you're shopping with. Even the UI there looks similar and there are some direct references to the game and the aesthetic and the village hub structurally, it's very similar. It manages to capture a lot of that though without feeling derivative. It doesn't feel like they were trying to, re- like, oh, you liked Resident Evil 4, we'll make you a new one of those. It- it's its own thing. It's more 
more obvious about it than Resident Evil 7 was, but 7 had this similar vibe of it's first person, but we the Baker House is structurally the same as the Spencer Mansion and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot more on its sleeve this time and a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's got that spiritual successor thing. It's not a ripoff. It's that, you know, that successor vibe it's got. Oh, I'm happy that the tall vampire lady stuff was not the entire game and that there was so much of this that I did not know was going to be a thing. Yeah. They very effectively managed to use the tall steppy lady to distract us from everything else. They used her as a very good distraction (laughs) and i'll say this because of how games are designed and the people who make them i do genuinely believe that the developers were surprised at first Mm -hmm. that everyone was like oh it's a giant woman (laughs) that's not inherently scary to us we want that we want stepping to happen and then they were like what the Okay, here are our feet measurements, knock yourselves out. I feel like they probably stumbled into a happy accident here, but like it worked out so well for them. And they were doing the typical, you know, all big woman, all scary femininity yeah. thing. And then it was like, oh wait, no. There's a whole bunch of people who are into that shit. But, like, the thing is, the game doesn't make it a secret, because as soon as you reach the castle, you're introduced to, like, oh, these are going to be the multiple boss fights and the multiple sections of the game. And all of them have so much engaging characterization from moment one that it's like, they could so easily have stretched each and every one of these into a little marketing campaign before the game. And I'm like... Well done for holding yourselves back and just focusing on Steppy Lady. They had a winner. You know, the marketing was so heavy, I was surprised by the the volume of Lady Dimitrescu in the game. Yeah. But I'm not disappointed. No. Because the game has some very distinct arcs with very distinct flavours. They have this sense of a self-contained story, even though they're not, just because of the themes. You know, you've got your werewolves and your Frankensteins and your... your Things from the swamp, your ghosts and your vampires. It's the Halloweeniest Resident Evil mm-hmm. for sure, and and every area feels really distinct and unique. And and like you said, I mean, the one I won't go anywhere near a spoiler of it. Yeah. The one thing that made my jaw drop, I did not see a hint of in the marketing when that would be the <laughs> thing yes. most trailers would show. Yes, and the noise it makes. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Oh god, it's brilliant. That is br- it's been such a long time since a like a horror video game has got me like, oh fuck, no, nah, no, I'm good, <laughs> mate. I don't want any part of oh, that. Oh good stuff. It's very good, this game. I like that they've characterized each of the villain characters that you're gonna come across in such a way that each of their distinct areas you go visit it makes a lot of sense for them to be as distinct as they are. Like, they are very much built into this kind of character would have this kind of place for you to go through. Yes, yes. And and as such, I think that's what gives it a self-contained story vibe, even though there's nothing. Yeah. Story-wise, there's nothing that gives that vibe. It's just 
the thematics of each area and how bound they are to each uh, antagonist is just so solid and complete. It just leaves it feeling like a different experience once you like, ah, we've done this bit, we put those mechanics and that tone behind us and we, we move on. Yeah. It's almost a little anthology-esque. You look at the big, lavish Castle Dimitrescu and then you look at the shithole that the, <laughs> the watery fella lives in. Uh, I'm trying to be vague about some of the later stuff, but... It's a shithole, uh, but it really fits, especially when you find certain like like the the area that where that character lives among the shit. It's yeah, they did really well at using the environment to characterize stuff. For anyone who's not played it yet, I think that this gets the balance where I enjoy it in a Resident Evil of the amount of combat. It's a little more combat than was in was in seven for sure, and you've got more instances of multiple enemies in a wider space than you had in seven. But it's not veering into Resident Evil five or six realms by any means. It's not an action shooter. No. It is an action horror. There is more shooting to be done and less hiding, yeah. I think, in, in that balance. And the enemies are so much better in, than like oh, regular, yeah. regular enemies. So much better than the fucking moulded. I'm so sick of gloopy monsters. Just vague humanoid oily shapes. I'm like, that's... I don't find that inspiring. And now we've got like weird werewolf people and later monsters. Well, and, and you talk about, you know, each region of the game and its environment being, you know, sort of very well suited to the character that inhabits it. The same goes for the enemy types. It yes. all feels very natural, real cohesive, reflective of whose employ that creature would be under. They're cool. They're real cool. Yeah. One area is almost completely combat free. Yeah. And, and it just fits for the character. The environmental design, the character design, everything is so strong. It's so confidently produced. It's like, it's the end of my sentence. <laughs> I added a like and realized I had nothing. It's just, it's very strong presentation. Uh, my only complaint about this, and this isn't going to be a problem for everyone, my main issue with this is that for a first person game with a deliberately narrow field of view because they're trying to go for that sort of uh, yeah, claustrophobic yeah. feel, as someone that has hit and miss issues with some first person games in terms of motion sickness, this game hits motion sickness problems mm. for me. And I think specifically it's the combination of very narrow FOV that you cannot uh, affect even on PC unless you uh, use a third party mod, plus the fact that you can't turn off the hand that's holding the gun at the bottom of the screen. When you run, it always bounces around up, down, left and right mm. at the bottom of the screen, which is a major, major uh, motion sickness trigger. Like, if I could slightly increase the FOV and to make that gun hand just stick in one place, I'd probably be fine. Yeah. And, like, I've been enjoying it still. I've just been having to play it in, like, at most 90-minute bursts and then, you know, take breaks from it. So if you're someone who that's sometimes a problem for, I would highly recommend getting the PC version just because FOV slider mods do exist and that should go some way to helping. Yeah. But, yeah, otherwise I have very little... Negative to say about this game. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good game. Yeah, I'm on uh, New Game Plus now. Yeah. Still enjoying it. It was the same way with Resident Evil uh, 4. Mm -hmm. You give me a good game with a New Game Plus, and it's good enough that I want to beat it once. I'm sticking with it a while after that. Yeah. Capcom continues to be on a roll of making really high quality games. Oof, right? Capcom has not dropped the ball in a while. Yeah, yeah. And on the whole, 
not a lot of excessive predatory monetization. There's been stuff of that stripe that's been complete fucking bullshit. Mm. But for the most part, they rein it into just the usual or what used yeah. to be the usual bullshit DLC, which, you know. And I, I have always liked that their sort of special editions can be upgraded to from a regular buy. So it's not got that FOMO thing of, of trying to get people to buy the collector's editions as pre-orders. I kind of appreciate that because sometimes if a game's really good, then... I don't mind getting some extra tap for it, you know? Even me. I'm not unreasonable, game industry. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, sorry. I mm. No, no. I'm, I don't like the game industry. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's picked that up, but lately especially, I'm very <laughs> fucked off with everything. But that's not for right now. Uh, where were we? Yes, Capcom's been on... You're right. Uh, I know some people didn't care for Nemesis. I enjoyed it very much myself. I'm having a look back over the last couple of years of their stuff. I can't think of a truly like bad drop-the-ball release they've done since Resident Evil 2 Remake, which was, like, start of 2019. Yeah, that one was was excellent. Uh, Resident Evil 7, Devil May Cry 5 was really good, Resident Evil 3 Remake, The Monster Hunters. Mm-hmm. They've been doing real good. Yeah, I want to say, like, maybe even from about 2016 or so. Certainly around the time Monster Hunter World came out. I can't see one of their ongoing franchises that they've had a fucked up entry in in a while. Yeah. And then they bought, took out a remaster of Onimusha, and that made me happy. <laughs> now do two. I'm, I've gotten greedy <laughs> now. Now do two, then do three. Some people didn't care that much for three, but it had, what's his name in it? John, oh fuck. The French actor who was in Godzilla 1998. Rene Rousseau? <laughs> No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. That's that's no way. <laughs> Vince Russo. <laughs> um, what other Russos are there? I may have just named one. What were we talking about? I like Onimusha. Did anyone have any other Resident Evil thoughts, or did we want to move on to something else? <laughs> no, it's 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 real good. I'm very happy as, as someone who played five and didn't finish it because I was like, all right, enough of this bullshit. And I've had seven a very long time and never got around to playing it. I'm real happy with this. Yeah, I'm real happy. Yeah. Feels like the game I wanted after Resident Evil 4. Indeed, yeah. John Reno. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of John Reno alongside Rene Rousseau for a comparison shot, and I tell you what, <laughs> I didn't get close to the mark. No? That's better than me, because you said Jean, and all I could think of was my brain was going back and forth between Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jean-Luc Picard, the Star Trek Whoa. character. And I was like, I don't think either of those is right. Very fine, very fine performer and also a captain, though. Yeah. So... Um, who, who, who else has played something this week? I don't know. <laughs> Probably one of us. Oh, all right, all right. Conrad, what have you played? Do you do one? Yeah, I played I played something. I played um, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Oh! Oh! oh. I love this game. Yeah. It wound up on Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was a little <clears throat> hesitant at first because it it's a lot of 
All right, we're going to drop a lot of slow-moving text that doesn't progress mm. as fast as you'd like, no matter how many fucking times you press that goddamn <laughs> button that should be advancing the text. There needs to be one of the ones that makes it instantly appear. Yeah. yeah. Get the text instantly in that box, and then if people like it scrolled, let it scroll. I want a button. Yep. Yeah. So relatively painful first hour or so, but once I pushed through that, yeah. It's real charming. It is. It's it's real charming. I'm still in the first, you know, real area of yeah. development and and been enjoying that. And the characters are cute and the mechanics are, are fun. I'm trying to figure out, you know, better ways to feed my people now mm. for no good reason. Because I could just go progress the story and they'll be fine. It's not like it's just, it just I mean, means that my progress bar is not going to grow quite as quickly. Putting the effort in now will be beneficial for later because you'll work stuff out that'll help with later stuff. Yeah. It, it's worth putting the like work in. But it's, it's real fun. It's real charming. Yeah. Um, I always like these sorts of you know, rebuild a new, an environment kinds of games yeah. and work out a layout that suits the people living in it. I've always been a fan of Dark Cloud and, yeah. and that stuff. So For anyone who's never played it, I would describe it as like, what if Minecraft had some actual story and structure? Well, yeah, that's that's a big issue with that because i need I, I desire direction i don't need direction in that i want direction i enjoy direction <laughs> i will just not play your game if you don't tell me what i'm supposed to be doing in your game yeah and like it's not super super directional but it like it gives you enough of like hey you need to have these structures somehow yeah these are goals that you need to accomplish. You will need to accomplish them through the application of these mechanics. But beyond that, yeah. you figure out how you want to lay it out and organize it. And You pick where you want to do that, how you want to do it. You, you, you know, sort your organizational system for it. It's very nice for the very satisfying feeling of just like mentally turn your brain off and just chip away at a big project for a little bit. Yeah, and as somebody who doesn't have a ton of direct experience with Dragon Quest, I, I played Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Because everybody in North America played Dragon Warrior, because there were so many fucking copies <laughs> of it. I flirted with some of the handheld Dragon Quest side games. You know, the Rocket Slime and, and that. That was some cute stuff, and I enjoyed it. But I I know I've no interest in the style of RPG that Dragon Quest is. And I, I tried Dragon Quest four, mm. I think it was, or seven. Seven. Yeah. I don't know, one of the ones that I was like, yeah, this is a real good game, and I can see why people like it, and I don't want to play anymore. Um, but the thing that I do appreciate greatly is how consistent Dragon Quest is. It, it is, this is our world, it's populated with these things, enjoy a slime. <laughs> you like that little dragon thing? I love that little dragon thing. Hey, here's the sound that plays when magic is being cast. Yeah. I immediately recognize all of those elements despite how limited my interaction with this setting and property have been for the last, what, 30 years? Yeah, but it does a good job of hitting things that feel nostalgic, even if you haven't played enough of that series that it should feel nostalgic. One would say they're even iconic. Oh. Yeah, they'd probably be fair to do so, unlike when certain other companies say things are iconic. Yeah. Like hats. Or we didn't know anything. It's another thing some of these companies say. <laughs> 
God. The uh, the person who did the music for the Dragon Quest series is a war crime denier. Ooh. I have to point it out every single time. Is this he? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He, he downplays Nanking. He's like, mm, yeah. yeah, come mm. on. He's, ooh. That's not ideal. Yeah. That's unfortunate. You know, it's... It, Don't get it, me wrong. Great music. Well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> know because... I turned it off. <gasps> I turned it off and I turned the effects down low enough that I could listen to YouTube videos in the background because it's a good game for that. Oh, well, cancel culture. Cancel culture, isn't it? Which I wouldn't have said if he hadn't denied crimes if you'd have just <laughs> been listening to videos. But now that you've, now that he's a, uh, mm, you canceler. I will say there is one thing about this game that I think is really nice that I appreciate that you are maybe a little not quite at yet, but I don't think it's, it's spoilery to talk about. Mm. One of my favorite things about this compared to the first Dragon Quest Builders is that between each of the worlds you go to, each of the areas you visit. You have a central hub island yeah. that you take the things you've learned and you build up that island and you make little settlements. Because the original Dragon Quest builders had one of those, but it got unlocked right at the end of the game when you had no real desire to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I get bored of most games before I get even halfway through them. And I was yeah. annoyed because I was like, I want to build something now. I will be more into it if I do. But then I did play... Dragon Quest Builders 2 and something happened to bore the piss out of me before I did much of anything. There will be an old episode of this very show where I explain why. Uh, I currently am in no state to remember it because of my brain. Brains are tough. But uh, yeah, I very much enjoy that it gives you a limited set of tools and it's like, hey... Go back to the island where you can make whatever the fuck yeah. you want. Don't feel like you need to do this whole fucking island right now because you don't have the tools to do it all right now. But you've got tools to get started and to do some aspects. Come back and do some more after the, the next yeah. environment. Make a little house, Conrad. Make a little make a little train track all around it. Did you make a little house? I have. Yeah? I gotta make some more. <gasps> I got too many people in my uh, in my place. I need to make more little houses for them because they don't oh. have enough places to sleep. I don't know why suddenly, for about six seconds... The idea of Conrad building little houses was the most adorable thing in the world to me, to the point where I almost have tears. Oh. I'm welling up. Oh, it's happening again. I could make one of those little tiny houses, I'm pretty oh, sure. Make a tiny little one. Oh. Little house builder. Find someone's backyard. I'll build a tiny house in it. Oh. I'll live in it. Live in it and invite me to tea. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't we know somebody with a backyard? <gasps> Ooh. I think so. I think, oh, we know a famous person. Lived, That's right. Um, lives in Boston. I uh, don't know if anyone's heard of him. Jonathan, he was on Road <laughs> Rules Northern Trail. He was the one with the baseball cap on backwards. So let's build a little house and invite him to tea. We could dress up as gnomes. <laughs> Laura, do you want to be a do you want to be a Boston gnome with us? Please, please, Laura. <laughs> sure. Come on in and drink tea. We won't cut you. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> Trust our magics. They're certainly not sinister. Woo <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a magic potion. It's not piss in a bottle. Jonathan, keep pissing in that bottle. Ignore the warmth. That just means the magic's working. Mm, warms the belly. Staves <laughs> off winter blights. They're not <laughs> shit that we kept in the freezer. Come on into my house. Steph, <laughs> uh, what you've been playing this week? Oh, so Val Venus hosts a press conference, right? With John Wayne Bobbitt. Oh, 
the fella whose penis was cut off by the wife for doing cheating around. And it grafted back on, though. Right. And then, um, like Val Venus did porn. Well, I mean, it was the other way around, really. So it's like, it's like John Wayne Bobbitt is a Benjamin Button Val Venus. Right. You know, just to simplify this situation. Which is already getting a little complex, but then the music hits. Hello, ladies. All the saxophone music is born. He comes out icing his genital area. Big bag of ice. Fucking John Wayne Bobbitt with him. Mm, unbelievable. Gets into the ring, you know. Oh, my penis. Oh. And of course, reveals that he still has his cock. Now. It's an anticlimax, don't get me wrong. It's just, oh, I, I got it. But the way they try and explain it, because clearly they hadn't thought how to do this, Valvina says, the butcher's block was cold. Okay. And John Wayne Bobbitt was there last week. You didn't see him, but he turned out the lights. Okay. So they missed, because his penis shrunk in the cold and John Wayne Bobbitt turned out the lights... And didn't follow up. Huh. Yeah, that's why I gave it some real space between it and Dick Fight Island. (laughs) (laughs) The completionist in me had to finish at some point. Very much like Val Venus. Uh. But, hello, ladies. But... I I couldn't follow directly Dick Fight Island. That will be, and in the name of efficiency, that is my slot there. Loop back round to me again, and I will talk about a video game. I'll loop back round to you in a minute. I do have another penis-related narrative story. Fuck yeah, we're all in now. I, I don't know if you're both aware of this. This is the dick cast now. Are either of you aware of the Danish children's television program, John Dillamond? No. No, but I feel like we're about to become intimately aware of it. John Dillamond, Dillamond uh, I believe translates to penis man, oh. is a children's TV show about John Dillamond, the man with the world's longest penis. Long penis. Okay. This is a Danish what show? Children's show for children's very small show. children. It's okay. aimed for For three to Mm six-year-olds, it is a show about a man with a very long prehensile penis, and he just wants to, you know, help, be helpful and save the day and be a good friend and neighbour, but also he has a very long penis. (laughs) I'll say this much. (laughs) I guess not treating genitals as a dirty little secret is... I guess... Yeah, it's... In a really not normal way in terms of presenting the capabilities of a penis. Let's normalise cocks by turning them into Mr. Fantastic. I've sent you an image in the the little the, the podquisition group. It's just a man in like a red and white striped bathing suit, and his penis is like is helping him pour lighter fluid on the barbecue. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> He looks like Mario in a in a bathing costume and his little hands coming out. I know, it's adorable, right? It would be more convenient to use his hands. But I mean he's gotta do something with the big penis. He's gotta do something with the big penis. I was gonna say, thank God it's not live action. That's what I was dreading when I opened it. I was like, that might be a problem. No, no, it's all claymation, you know, so that they can animate the prehensile yeah. penis. Huh. 
all right. <laughs> so this this week I played uh, Train Simulator some more because I'm still really enjoying that. That that has been good comfort playing. I have been playing a new train route that I haven't played before on oh, it that fun. I am very much enjoying. It is the Wakayama and Sakura line, mm-hmm. which is a Japanese train line that does a lot of going very close between a lot of buildings in residential areas that are very packed in, and then it'll sort of emerge into lots of big open fields with nice trees and things. It is a little train that doesn't go super fast, like. About 45 miles an hour is the fastest you can get it to go if you slam on the throttle full. Oh, I see. Padding out the gameplay length, are they? Mm -hmm. Let's put the slow trains in. Oh, those grindy bastards. I mean, it's there because it's a a train that's going, like, literally inches from people's homes, and therefore they don't want it going, like, so fast it's going to be a nasty. But it's lovely because it means just lots of little ambling through the countryside. And my favourite thing about this particular track that, like, is very, very wonderful, is that depending on what season you set the game to when you do your little journey, the trees will have different kind of leaves on them. And uh, if you do it in the spring, cherry blossom petals will start falling off of the trees and blowing in front of the train across the track as as you take the train. That's... That's neat. It's a real simple gimmick, but knowing that, like, aha, the, oh, the cherry blossom trees are up there, I'm going to see some petals go by, makes me very, very happy. I'm still impressed by little leaves falling in the foreground of Sonic 2, so mm. cherry blossoms in front of a train, it's way better. Yeah, so I'm continuing to have a lot of fun driving pretend trains, so that's, that's all there is to that. I drove a train in Japan, it was very nice. Will microtransactions have gone too far if they start doing ones where you can skip the grind in Train Simulator and just get to your destination. (laughs) You just teleport to the destination. Just completely, you know, undo the fucking point of games. I mean, there are console commands if you do just want to skip ahead to the the end of the line. You can do it. It exists. Booster packs. (laughs) Conrad, what have you been playing? You played anything else this week? Well, really the only other... Thing I played this week is just a Trojan horse. I played a game called Bunny Bunny Dig Dig. You're a bunny. Yep. You dig. Right. That's it. Good. Uh, it's a very cute little animated bunny. You use cursor keys to move the bunny. It's like a Mr. Digger type, you know, digging down a shaft. Some blocks contain money uh, or gems. Um, you know, different currencies effectively. And you can continue digging until you either exit through an elevator, which is spaced at intervals along the way, or your torch runs out and you're in darkness and you die, or you run out of health because there are combat encounters and bombs that can hurt you along the way down as well. Then the money can be spent on upgrades to improve how effective your pickaxe is, both at digging and as a weapon, uh, how long torches last, uh, how much money you lose when you die, uh, health, that sort of stuff. And you just keep digging. It's a little HTML5 game. It's plenty fun. It's cute. It's good for the hour and a half maybe I spent playing it tops. 
I mean, this game's fucking good. I'm, right. I'm playing it now as you speak. I was like, I'm going to check this out because it's on the internet websites. Right. It's just enough in there to be enjoyable, not out to stay its welcome. I did flirt with the idea a little bit of trying to do a run where I get every valuable item without destroying any of them and without um, uh, dying. Um, I got real close and you know, I eventually said fuck it. But the reason I even mentioned Bunny Bunny Dig Dig at all is because it's a Ludum Dare game. Yes. Uh, Ludum Dare just ran, uh, I think it's 48. Mm. And I always like to try and go and check out some of the Ludum Dare games every time they have one of these events and see if there's anything cool or neat or fun in it. And I always like to strongly encourage other people to do so as well. Lots of the games are playable in browser um, and there's some interesting weird cool stuff to be explored most of it very short some of it a little bit rough around the edges but uh, you know the cream rises to the top and, and you can very oh yeah thank the you the cream rises to the top Conrad does a better one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so please go check out Ludum Dare and check out the games that are there and play Bunny Bunny Dig Dig. That's adorable. It's good. It's a cute game. I like. I actually like that combat system. That's just, yeah. just going left and right and pressing up, but yeah. doing it to a little bit of timing, it's kind of... It's simple. I do feel like it's something that has the potential for uh, a little further exploration. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, maybe add some actual, like, rhythm game elements to that or something. Mm -hmm. You'd have something similar to Crypt of the Necrodance for a bit, I guess. But certainly that waiting for them to do the thing and then doing the thing, just for something that's digging and collecting and fighting with just the cursor keys. Yep. Yeah. Yep, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, Laura, what about you? You play anything else? Uh I, I finished replaying Wind Waker, uh, the HD port on the Wii oh, U. Because mm. every now and then I feel I feel like going back and playing through Wind Waker again. It's a good game. It's charming. It's very well. It's very polished. It's held up really nicely. Mm -hmm. That HD port on the Wii U is a really wonderful port, and it does a lot to just sand off the couple of rough edges that game has. You know decade or two later. The Wii U was a good system. The Wii U was a great console that never had software. Yeah. Like, I wish there was stuff to play on it, because I love that console. I'll tell you what, though, the, the multiplayer zombie U, I've said it before, but the multiplayer mm. zombie U, like... Yeah. It can still be played now, because it's local. You can play it against each other, but you can't do it on another system. God, it was good. Uh, but, sorry. Yeah, so Wind Waker HD, there's not, like, a lot of things that have changed, but, like, the main things that I really appreciate are all the small details. I love being able to have the map open while you're sailing around the ocean. Mm. That is so nice, just being able to sort of see on the fly if you're going the right way. I very much appreciate the inclusion of the, the speed sail for when you're just trying to do the Triforce quest and you just want to get where you're going as fast as possible and not have to keep stopping to change the wind. I like that ocean, but I do not have infinite patience. Yeah, I very much appreciate the tweaks they make to the Triforce quest with Tingle. Instead of having to go and pay him 400 rupees for every single fragment of the Triforce as a map, only a couple of them you have to pay him for, and the rest of them, like, you no longer have to go find a map, follow the map, go to the Triforce. The place where the map used to be, the Triforce is just there. It feels a lot more respectful of time, which is very appreciated. Oh, hang on. 
You want your time respected? Yeah, yeah, right? Sounds a little casual, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like, oh, do you want game journalist difficulty as well? Nah. Yes, I do. I respect my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got things to do. Yeah. Give us game journalism difficulty, please. So that we can see more games and talk about more games. Yeah. I'm going to start calling for a serious game journalism difficulty. <laughs> Normalise being shit at games. It is normal. I mean, it really is. Like... I know people who are just people who buy and play games. They're not online. They're not, they're shit. You think game journalists are bad at games? They're above average, which might be shit to a hardcore gamer, but... I am 100% of the belief that it is incredibly beneficial to our industry to have people who enjoy but are shit at games. Yes. Reviewing video games. It's most people. Yes. Because most people who are reading reviews... Uh, are that are kind of shit at games but want to have fun yes like that's who most reviews should be for yeah if you've <laughs> got a social circle like outside of like deep game sort of culture stuff yeah the people who just buy play and have fun with games are shite yeah and that's fine yes yeah. there's nothing wrong with that there are many games i'm shit at Yes. One day I will livestream myself playing Spelunky 2 and you will all have a bad, <laughs> bad time watching me. It will upset you. It will frustrate you. I stream Spelunky 2 every week on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern at oh twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. And I'm terrible at it. Wow. And I've been to hell in completed the original Spelunky in as much as a human being should probably dedicate <sighs> themselves to it. Fucking hell, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, Christ. Don't add the Christ bit. <laughs> but yeah, the only other thing I'll say about Wind Waker, the ending of it always sneaks up on me. It always ends a little sooner than I think it's going to. Because mm. mm -hmm. it's front-loaded with dungeons. So am I. <laughs> oh, it means nothing. You get the Triforce quest that goes on a bit of a, a goose chase, and it always feels like there should be a couple of dungeons after that before the end, but it's like, mm. no, you got them, just go kill Ganon now. And, like, that is the closest I have to a complaint about a game that I think has held up incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why many people say it's the best one. Because, yeah. you know... It's the best one. Whether you agree with that statement or not, it's fucking good. It is. It is wonderful. And it, it's probably my favourite one, for sure. It's one of the ones that I most consistently love when I come back to it. Mm -hmm. It would be the one I'm most willing to replay, for sure. Yeah. If I've got them all in front of me, I guess it'd be a toss-up between Link to the Past and Wind Waker. They're the two I feel like I'd always be happy to start a new game in. Yeah. That said, I know I'm in a minority on this. I'm really excited for that that HD port of Skyward Sword to come out. I want to play Skyward Sword with slightly better controls yes. and it not telling me what a green rupee is every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I had a review copy once and mailed it to Jonathan Holmes. <laughs> Because I was like, I'm not putting up with this. Take it. Here's the motion plus. Here's fucking copy. It's all in its own box. Take it. And I can't remember if he... I think he was fond of it. I don't think he loved, loved it, but I think he liked it. I'm one of those people that absolutely loves it. And I know that most people would disagree with this, but like the one thing that slightly disappoints me about how well-received Breath of the Wild was is I don't think we will ever get another Skyward Sword style Zelda, or at least not for a long time. And I think that's a shame because it did a lot of things really well and very interestingly that I think if they had polished could have been a really good direction for the series. I'm looking forward to giving it another chance. I'll say that. I'm not going to like 
assume that I'm going to go in and love it magically, but I'm looking forward to giving it another shot because I think it will be worth a go. Yeah. It'll be worth trying because there was enough promise there plus Girahim. You've got Girahim and Gross, the two greatest characters that series ever, ever invented. He, the, yeah, him too. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, the, the other thing I'll get out of the way quickly, I started playing the demo on Switch for a game called World's End Club, which is one I've been looking forward to. It comes out at the end of this month. I like the name. So the premise of this is that it starts off being one of those battle royale Danganronpa, one of those kind of mm-hmm. school kids trapped in a in a death game. You gotta you gotta kill each other, or you're not gonna not gonna get out. Ah, oh. oh, fuck. And I I don't want to say too much about where it goes, but it is definitely not just that. It uses that as a springboard to tell a very different kind of story, and. It's charming and its characters are all very interesting and I'm hesitant to say much more about it other than if you like that kind of genre and want to see a very different tonal take on it, go check out the demo for World's End Club. The demo is enough to be like, oh, I understand why I should care about this. It is intriguing. Hmm. The special edition comes with an acrylic stand. Ooh. Yeah. I was looking it up and then I saw a special edition and I'm a terrible consumer. I mean, I wasn't going to buy it, but I see collector's editions and I'm like, I want to look if there's toys. This one's got an endless carousel acrylic stand. I'm being coy about a thing. I don't know whether I should. I don't know where the line for this game between spoiler and basic premise is. Let me ask you questions about it then. Sure. Right. Is it a visual novel? Is it a vision of, as the cool kids say? It's part vision of... Part platformer, mm-hmm. side-scrolling platform adventure, right? With some visually novelly bits. What is the? I'm reading it as if I've got a list of what to ask <laughs> if you don't want spoilers in World's End Club. No. Um. So the initial premise is: is it very much that Danganronpa of you're all here and have to kill each other? Yeah, you were on a bus going on a school trip. You got kidnapped. Now you're in a you're in an underwater facility, and this thing's like ha ha. You have to kill each other, children. Yeah. Look, I'm going to say what the thing is because I think it's fairly foundational to what this game is. And, like, a Nintendo Direct trailer just said the thing, but also I've had some people tell me it's a spoiler when I talk about it, so... I I think you'd be fine. Like, I'm suitably intrigued as someone who liked this stuff. Yeah, so skim skim forward 30 seconds if you don't want any spoilers at all. Well, I'm going to close my ears because I might, I might get this, so I'm going to plug my ears. Go ahead. The basic idea is very, very early on... You escape. You don't actually have to do the the death game. You make it up to the surface, and it's actually a game about this group of people having to make a journey home across Japan, unsure what's happened while they were in this weird facility. Okay. It's interesting, and I'm intrigued, and I want to know more. I was able to make out it's interesting through my (laughs) hands, so I figured you've wrapped that up. Yeah, I've wrapped that up. Because I liked Danganronpa, and... I, oh, I didn't even mention it on the list, but I've been replaying a bit of Phoenix Wright. <gasps> oh, which which one you been replaying? I got the collection, just the the first three ones. Yeah, which I impulse bought on the Switch because I was like, ah, oh, just I want to play it again, but I also want to hear that good soundtrack on my nice yeah. speakers. <laughs> So this is the one that's got um Larry Butts is a prominent character. Oh, you know it's got Larry Butts in it. I'm not a big visual novel player, but every now and then one just sort of catches my eye. 
Um, so I would, yeah, this one looks interesting. Yeah, I like the original Phoenix Wright trilogy. There's so many Phoenix Wright games I've never played through, but the original ones I like. I've seen a screenshot, and now can what you said be spoiled? Now I'm doing the cryptic questions. Can can what you said be spoiled in one screenshot? Probably, because I was about to look at this and say, oh, it looks a bit like, and then sh- immediately decided not to say it. Nintendo put out a trailer that quote-unquote spoiled the thing yeah so like i wouldn't be surprised if there are just promotional screenshots that do it could you compare it to a that is also yes justin beep some of the things i just said (laughs) (laughs) yeah i fucking spoiled it for myself just by google imaging the screenshots that's why i wasn't sure whether it's a spoiler (sighs) or not because like when the game was originally released on Apple Arcade, I think it was on first, like, it was mm-hmm. played as, like, a secret, as, like, oh, you, 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 a thing that'll get thrown at you while you're playing. Yeah. But all of the marketing for the Switch release has just talked about it. I will say, having spoiled it for myself, I am now more interested. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to say the thing, because it's... Yeah... It's it's yeah. it's an interesting idea, and I want to know more. Uh, has anyone played anything else before we get onto the news? Yeah, yeah, I played a game. Uh, it's called Dex. Now you may have heard of Is this. It, are you a gecko? No, you're Making not. Uh, pop culture <laughs> references and. Well, you say pop culture references. <laughs> it's just saying a celebrity's name. That's all Gex ever did. Jack Nicholson, I know that one. Is this the side-scrolly cyberpunky thing? Yes, it's the side-scrolly cyberpunky thing. Now, I don't know what it is about indie cyberpunk games that are driven by narrative. Hmm. But God, does the game get in the way. I, very much like with Cloudpunk, God, I want to like Dex. It looks really interesting. I love the animation and the visual style. I like how the the pixely character art somehow works with the more hand-drawn art that normally... Would It can look jarring at times, but it looks natural here while giving it sort of an old adventure game feel. The combat is so shit. The combat is so fucking shit. It is like, you know, bad side-scrolly punchy combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that. Oh. But I find it particularly annoying. And that on its own is bad enough, but, you know... I upgraded my one-two punch to a one-two-three punch. I was able to trip some enemies up. It became a little less like needing to run away the moment more than one enemy shows up. But then there's the hacking, which is a top-down shooter. Mm-hmm. I've heard there's ways to make it easier, but to make it easier, I've got to get through the gameplay where it's nearly fucking impossible. Oh. Where it's just, you've got to, cap- it's basically capture territory. Fly the cursor over to where camera is and hack it. And then you've got to stay in a tiny circle of territory while shmup enemies are just surrounding you. And it's... I looked up online to see if there was something I was missing and I just saw complaints. I just saw people saying, like, is the combat in this game good? And people say, oh, no. And the thing is, it's one of them ones where you could say play it for the story, but my God, the combat, they decided to put loads in it and make it so that if you're not hacking, you're going to have a shit time. But to hack is a really shit time. And I was soldiering on because I was I was enjoying being in the world, but I got to a point where I was like, I know I'm not finishing this. I know something's going to make me just give in. 
I'm cashing out now because I'm I'm not getting invested in in characters that I'm just already finding not good enough to. I'm finding them good enough to want to know where their stories go, but not so much like with Cloudpunk that it's worth the exchange in my patience. Mm. And it's a real fucking shame. Mm. Like, I mean a real shame that it is the way it is. And that's Dex. It was, and here's the thing. It's four bucks on Switch right now from 20 bucks. <laughs> I don't regret it at four. But God, I wish I could say right now, what a fucking steal I got. I wish I could be here like, go out and grab it for four bucks. But now I'm like, it's four bucks. It might be worth a pump for you. But it's despicable combat. Uh, And it it lets the whole thing down. Mm. And I played it years ago on my YouTube channel back when I was doing the whole, you know, the original Squirty Plays and Greenlight stuff. Uh, and it had a lot of promise. It was in early access back then. Yeah. I'm genuinely gutted because I was. It was a nice palate cleanser between some of the big games, and I, I'm trying to get like pay more attention to. <gasps> I also played Turnip Boy. It, it commits tax evasion. That's oh, a good one. Oh, yeah, oh, I've heard great things about oh, that. Tell us about this. It's fucking adorable. It's you're a little turnip boy and it's like a top down Zelda style thing. Really simple. Like it's not super complex. It's combat is as like, you know, some snails are going back and forth, hit them with a sword. They'll disappear. You know, they'll have, you know, flash and puff of smoke and everything. And you're just running around like fetching items. It's like, go here, get the thing, bring it here. But it's so cute and just so silly that I, I'm really enjoying playing it. It's got a lovely soundtrack. The visual design is cute. The turnip boy is... The most adorable playable character who's ever existed. Yeah, Yeah, he really is adorable. And, like, the only way to interact with documents is to rip them up. Yeah. Um, So the first thing you get is your tax bill. And as someone right now who is not having the best time with the American tax system... I bought it because of that. I was like, I saw commits tax evasion and I was right, right. Amen. <laughs> it's literally just a happy little circle with with leaves on its head and some legs. It's just like me tax evasion. I couldn't possibly. I'm far too adorable for yeah. crimes. He almost never says anything. He's all like reactions and everything. And most of his reactions are just to stare and smile at people while he rips things up in front of them. Like one Ooh. of the early things is is you run back and forth like helping someone to to grow a flower and then bring it to someone that they fancy. And then you get a letter sort of returning the the affection. But you've only got two options, read and rip up. Oh, no. (laughs) So you rip it up in front of them. And if you talk to them again, they're just like, that's rude. Uh, And then, yeah, I can't say it's a great game. As far as I can tell so far, really sort of simple, simplified um, early era Zelda game. But it's... It's a fucking giggle. From what I've played of it so far, I've not played enough to have proper thoughts on it, but it might be a simple one-note goof, but that simple one-note goof is so effectively handled that I really don't care. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even call it one-note. Like, it's... In terms of gameplay, it, it doesn't super vary. 
but it it does enough. I'm on the second boss now. I, it's got puzzles and, and stuff yeah. in it and items uh, that you can uh, use. It's just not a huge thing. It's not linked to the past or anything. No, no. It, but, like, it's got the charm to carry it through. Yes, it's got some real earworm music. My one criticism would be the main area music, because you spend so much time in it, gets fucking repetitive, as cute as it is. But the other areas have really nice tunes and, oh, yeah. and everything and it's just got that what i call the adorkable style stuff well Aww. it's not that's not a term i made up but i've used it to describe certain games like donut county yes and another one that's very similar to that that i can't remember the name of oh there's some of that in um night in the forest as well some of that sort of just goofy character humor uh and there's there's a lot of that in turn it boy not all of it hits you know um there's some obvious stuff like oh i've picked up a trophy as an item and it says oh keep the player engaged and it's some of that's a little but then some of the meta humor lands and and some of it is just just stupid but in a in a delightful way uh so yeah i that one i i do recommend i do think that one is good and i'm glad i've remembered it yeah it's it's one that i'm i played a little bit and was like this seems charming this seems lovely i'm probably going to stream it on monday next week yeah. um sort of saving it to do that i do not yet know what that no good mare onion is up to <sighs> Uh, we got time for a little bit of news before we finish up today. Yeah, let's do a little news. If you want. So we got some more news out of that Apple and Epic uh, lawsuit. <laughs> Nothing of nearly as much consequence as last week, but there are some interesting stories that came out. Some, 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 some ones that are worth mentioning. Both Apple and Epic's lawyers seem to have a bit of a weird little um, tiff about whether a naked cartoon banana is inappropriate content or not? Hmm. They seem real horny. I don't... Uh, yeah. There's been yeah. a lot... Like, the other thing, because I, I didn't see this in the news, but you know, we all know about the unspeakable content. Oh, yes. Did we not mention this last week? I don't think so. No, I don't think it had hit yet. So, the short version is you can get the itch.io launcher through the Epic Games Store, and there was some vague discussion by lawyers of... Well, Epic allows you to access all the games that are on itch, and some of those are degenerate sex games. Oh, so that's that's Epic hosting degenerate sex games. I I love it when a billion dollar corporation tries to bring morality to the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hypocritical scum. That was one of their big swings to try and go for for, for Epic was. It just got some sexy stuff. I saw this exchange on Twitter between Conrad and Casey Explosion, where Casey was talking about, like, fuck Apple for throwing Itch under the bus in all this, yeah. and Conrad talking about how it's good for their platform and, and everything in terms of just getting their name out there. And I've got to say, both are true. Mm -hmm. y yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is some... I mean, their name is... This is some of the best, quote-unquote, promotion anyone could get in this industry is getting mentioned in that fucking lawsuit. Itch had some fun with it. There was, yeah. I believe, some changing of social media That's uh, bios to have some fun with it. But like the fact that Apple 
uh, and well, the fact either of them, because I'm sure we'll see more of it, are just willing to drag anyone into what mm-hmm. is essentially two multi-billion dollar corporations having a money fight, already making money hand over fist, doing what they've been doing. And because they want more, they're dragging everyone into their fight. Apple has taken some real graspy swings to try and imply that Epic hosts sex content. And like some of this is like the the one we're going to mention here. I don't think Apple meant it in seriousness, but it's another jab of like mm, epic and sex stuff. I'm taking this from the transcripts from Addie Roberts, uh, Addie Robertson, who is the reporter for The Verge, who we referenced last week, doing wonderful work live tweeting all this stuff. The short version, in Fortnite there is a skin called Agent Peely, who mm. is a banana that wears a tuxedo. But there is also an Agent Peely skin where he's just a banana, no tuxedo. So a lawyer for Apple brought up Peely in court and made a deal of showing the character wearing clothes. Let me find the quote. We thought it was better to go with the suit instead of the naked banana, because we are in a federal court right now. Fucking hell. Yeah. Daffy Duck used to take his skin off when he went into a sauna. Like, they they used to do that. They'd take the fur bit off like it was clothing in Looney Tunes, and they'd be padding around with their bare fucking bums out. I'm going to read this. Protocol reporter Nick Statt suggested the line of questioning was intended by Apple to paint Epic as some greedy game company, exploiting children and exposing them to lewd content. <laughs> the accusation was made. I mean, that's, that's a naked banana right there. You're putting that in front of kids? Woo. I'll say this. If they're serious, are they fucking serious? And if they're not, take it fucking seriously. It's a courtroom and you've wasted so much fucking money. Stop making jokes about bananas and earn your fucking cash. Or take all that money you're throwing at a lawsuit and feed some fucking poor people. I was gonna say it was a goof, but the problem is, is it resulted in... Epic's lawyer having to be asked about this, which led to this wonderful response. Is there anything inappropriate about Peely without clothes? Epic's lawyer asked. Weisinger replied, It's just a banana, mom. Hmm. It's a. I don't find it funny. I actually don't find this funny. It's, it's like, it's. It's not. It's incredibly imbecilic. Yeah. And. It is a joke. The whole thing's a fucking joke. But I do not laugh at any of the the absurdity in this scene. I laugh because I don't know how else to feel about this. Oh, sure. I'm not saying either that there's anything wrong with people who do find it funny or or are laughing or, you know, having a humorous reaction. I find this... It's tackiness by game industry standards. And that's saying something. It's really fucking stretching the definition of this whole argument. It's gone way off track of what they're actually trying to deal with. It reminds me of when Sony and and Disney have had their fallings out over Spider-Man. Like, it's in terms of these are companies making themselves and each other buckets and buckets of money. And they're pissed at each other Yeah, because they want more of each other's. Because they're literally the fucking... They're the fucking two dogs pulling on the bone that ends up in the river, except unlike stories for kids, nothing falls in the river. The river spews bones at them and they get pissed because there's not enough bones. 
That's all I can do now is make whatever that noise was, an elephant horse. Quick story about Returnal. You know how people were saying, nah, 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 it's not a buggy game, it's a polished game, and therefore you don't need to worry about the lack of autosaves? Oh, if you need the game to save your progress for any reason, even if it doesn't let you save, you know, even if it's an interim save, that's too casual, I've heard. Yeah. So, not only does this game, like all games on the PlayStation 5 default to doing auto updates, Mm -hmm. there was an update to the game that released this week that had to be pulled down a few hours later because it was corrupting people's save data. Irreparably corrupting save data. Hmm. They They took it down and they had to be like, hey, if you've downloaded the update... The game's unplayable until we redo the update. Fucking don't hell. please don't play it because it'll break your save. Just you have it, but please don't play it, or your save will break. Now I don't believe in God, but <laughs> if I did, I think he was trying to tell him something. I'm just picturing the scenario where you left your system on on rest mode mid run. You turn your PlayStation on to find out it's auto updated and you've lost your run, and you're like, okay, that's fine. I can at least start a new run now. You start your new run. You save corrupts. <laughs> like that's a bad day. <laughs> it's it's just perfect. Like that's the thing. I like, don't get me wrong. The situation is fucking shit. And if I decide I'm going to play more Returnal, I will have to wait. <laughs> because I, um, yeah, I don't think I turned auto-update off. I need to wait. You should probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't think it's a funny situation, but it's perfect. For, for this game where they have been so seemingly against saved progress, the fact that auto-updates was killing progress, and the fact it was crashing, and the fact that this happened is like... Are you not really going to reconsider taking more steps so that people don't waste hours of their life in your game that has hours-long runs? Also, fuck you. Other stories. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Humble Bundle uh, and the fact that they were making some pretty drastic changes to how the charity percent slider was being handled. Mm -hmm. Humble Bundle has reversed its decision to remove charity sliders from bundle pages, Dot, 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 for the time being. <gasps> ah, wait till, wait yeah. till there's a, a better climate. Wait till people are either used to more bullshit or some bigger bullshit's happening. You can slide it out there. We'll, we'll get the quote from Humble out nice and quick. We've heard everyone loud and clear and apologise for the way these changes were rolled out. See, they don't apologise for the, mm-hmm. for doing it, just no, the way they did the it. the rollout. Oh, yeah. The rollout. They've done it wrong, you see. We are now taking a moment to pause, collect constructive feedback, and be more transparent with the path forward. Again, doesn't mean that it isn't going to happen, they're just, you know, how we're going to do it. Yeah. We'll be turning sliders back on for all our customers on our bundle pages, while we take more time to review feedback and consider sliders and the importance of customization, blah blah blah, we're just as committed to supporting charity as we were when we launched Humble Bundle. You know, be, well, be, on, the lookout, be on the lookout for updates soon, and thank you. But charity begins at home. <laughs> yeah. So look, celebrate that the sliders are still there for now, but also like be aware that this is probably they're going to try and sneak it out when you're not looking. Here's the thing. When companies reverse course, when they make a a shitty move and reverse it, 
It's not so much a cause for celebration as it is an acknowledgement that they just tipped their hand. They got caught. They just showed you what they want to do. They showed you what they're prepared to do. They showed you how much they care. This is like when, uh, you know, when DRM measures are rolled back. doesn't mean they don't want to do DRM. Yeah. All they've done is shown you the future they see. And we've seen that. I've, I remember when we've seen, like, excessive monetization in games rolled back and people are like, phew. And I'm like, mm. no, no. What they do is they push the envelope, then scale it back a bit so that they can push it further. Yeah. Uh, so that what used to be grotesque is normal. And, well, we're now at the point where Ubisoft wants several games a year with predatory economies and they know all about predators. They oh. promoted a fair few of them in their time. Should we should we jump ahead to that story? Should we jump over to that one? Games are over. Um, yeah. So, there's, there's been some, some different reporting on this, but we'll start with what was originally said. So, the initial headlines that were going around about this story were Ubisoft will rely less on AAA releases as it expands into free-to-play games. And the implication of a lot of the initial reporting was that Ubisoft was planning to reduce the number of single-player linear big-budget games it was doing, and instead focus more on big free-to-play multiplayer stuff. The quote that that came from was during a conference call, Frederick Dugat said, in line with the evolution of our high-quality lineup that is increasingly diverse, we are moving on from our prior comment regarding releasing three to four premium AAAs a year, which sure sounds like they're going to reduce the number of big AAAs to make more of the, the free-to-play games. They use a lot of words to say we want to make more free-to-play games. They have since clarified that they don't intend to scale back their single-player stuff. Did they clarify... How much Yves Wimot knew about the abuse? No, surprisingly not. They they hmm. didn't they didn't clarify that. Okay. Okay, no worries. Carry on. Yeah. So in a statement to Eurogamer, they clarified our intention is to deliver a diverse lineup, blah blah blah. Um, we're investing more in free-to-play experiences, but we want to clarify this doesn't mean reducing our AAA offering. Our aim is to deliver premium experiences to players Ooh. such as Far Cry 6 and Rainbow Six Quarantine and some other games we have. But we're also uh, expanding our free-to-play portfolio and strengthening our brand. Of course they are. Gotta keep that brand strong. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're still making their AAA games, which, by the way, will still have microtransactions in them anyway. Microtransactions are predatory. Microtransactions are exploitative. Microtransactions are fucking harmful. That's all that matters. Microtransactions are fucking harmful, and they are now everywhere. And closer and closer, we are going to see these big so-called AAA video games become Raid Shadow Legends, where there's no game anymore. It's not a game with microtransactions attached. It's microtransactions with a game attached. Mm. And I'm using the word game charitably for Raid Shadow Legends. A game that, make no mistake, publishers are taking notes from. Yeah. And... Go look at it. Go look at that. Go look at some of the disgusting Marvel games that are on the mobile market and you'll see where things are going. And I said where they were going 10 years ago and we've gone past where I said they were going. I'll say this. If you do some research on how much people are paid per sponsored advert for Raid Shadow Legends, you will very quickly realise that business model makes them a fuck ton of money if they can afford to pay that much per sponsorship, which should tell you that the rest of the industry probably wants in on that model. They've made me offers before. Yeah. Two grand. Not worth trading my entire career away, because the moment I take money for some... 
for anything like this, let alone something as disgusting as Raid Shadow Legends. That's it. I might as well hang it up. You said $2,000? Yeah. I've seen bigger offers for Red Shadow Legends, yeah. Oh, well, of course you have. I'm. Let's not talk about what they are. I'm already lacking in self-esteem. No, 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 but... I my... don't need to know how no, much I'm fucking... Sorry. The Red Shadow Legends, you said? Yeah. 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 Um, how did I get in contact with them? Because, like... My soul's worth two grand. That's the thing. <laughs> that's a, that's an amount of offer that for many people is real fucking hard to turn down. Well, yeah, like it's it's hard to make money on YouTube. Yeah, yep. you've already got a predatory game. Why not prey on the influencers selling it? Yeah, you know. Why not exploit the fuck out of everything? Game the system. Why don't you design a PR campaign so intricate it? should have been in your game rather than just a button you press and watch things fight. Yeah. Rather than give us money and we'll give you a 3D character model. We got one more story that came out of the Apple Epic lawsuit that I think is interesting, again, for... What it what it tells us about Epic's position in a lot of stuff that like we didn't know they were involved in over the last few years. So on, I believe all the major consoles right now, PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, you don't need to pay for an online subscription to play free-to-play games online. This is a thing that all of these various companies have come around to at different points in the last couple of years. Well, of course, they all agreed it was worth more money to everyone to go through the money laundering systems. Well, see, here's the thing. Apparently, Epic Games was seemingly involved in Microsoft coming around to that. I believe they were the last of the console manufacturers to make that change. Basically, there's an exchange of emails between Tim Sweeney from from Epic and uh, Phil Spencer over at Microsoft, in which Sweeney attempts to encourage heavily Xbox-making free-to-play games exempt from needing Xbox Live. Now, there was a very self-serving reason for it, which was like, hey, we've got season 14 of Fortnite launching Mm -hmm. on this date, and we think it'd be beneficial if you launched free to play without Xbox Live on the day that we've got our big thing happening, and that that get a bunch of people playing, and that would be good for everyone, etc. Mm-hmm. Yay, money laundering. Yeah, but like, what is interesting about it is how it plays into the stuff we heard last week, where they were a big part of the reason that Sony eventually caved on crossplay. They are seemingly a big part of the reason that you can play free-to-play games without Xbox Live on Xbox. It is fascinating and a bit terrifying seeing how much influence Epic seems to have had in the directions of the major consoles in ways that were not transparent. Mm-hmm. There are big changes that have happened to the way that consoles operate. They're a big shady corporation pulling all the strings. Exactly. Mm. There, there are events that were secretly puppeted by Epic <laughs> for their benefit. <laughs> oh, God. How, how can we not talk about capitalism? Like, I know I did this last week, but How? How can you discuss this? I mean, I guess there's an entire games media doing it. Yeah, pretty successfully. But if you want to discuss it with any fucking substance, how can you not? Because this is it laid bare for you. This is the socioeconomic system that... If you want any indication of of what a a free market is like for those who have the freedom, 
look at everything Epic did, especially the things you don't like that it did, gamers. Do you want video game console manufacturers to do a change to the console that you would like? Better hope that it's in Epic's interest, because <laughs> they'll push for it to happen for you. And that's the thing, is when it is changes in Epic's interest, they make a big song and dance about it, so that they're the people of the people. Working class heroes, blue chippers, all of them. Mm. And this all plays into the whole epic trying to play themselves as the hero of the gamers because the more of this shit comes out the more that they can go oh well we weren't going to gloat about it but we are the reason why you have those cool things on consoles don't uh -huh. you love us loyal army of supporters it's creepy epic is i've said this before like i get this just this unsettling feeling from that company they legitimately creep me out and on the same way you know amazon's pr has been lately like it's there are some corporations that are just creepy. If if corps are people, they are the just that skeevy person you warn your friends about of people. Yeah. Oh, but they're so nice. Everyone loves them. Just watch yourself. So I think I think that's it for for this week. I think I think we did yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Ubisoft I feel good. employed a couple of those people. What? Now that I think of it. I am shocked by this. They, they spent several years promoting abusers of huh. every stripe at their company. It's a real grim. You know, it's weird. If something like that had happened, I would expect people in the press to be like talking about that constantly. Like every time Ubisoft came up. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. It seems like everyone in, involved in any sort of gamer discourse, it seems like the story that they might make fewer Far Cries got a lot more attention than years of abuse. Hmm. Yep. <sighs> but look at me beating that dead horse and being repetitive. Let's instead just say Ubisoft is bad. We like that. Nice blanket. Yeah, it's, it's nice and clean that way. Yeah. 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 They're just bad. <sighs> I, I'm so sick of it. Just video game. All of it. I'm, uh, Laura. Yeah. <sighs> Can you cheer me up by talking about the stuff you do, please? cheer you up with that hopefully yeah. you feel better once i tell you about the fact that you can find me at laura k buzz at pretty much everywhere on the internet oh. twitter twitch youtube patreon that's the one that pays my bills i i twitch stream mondays wednesdays and fridays at 10 p.m uk 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific every friday i upload episodes of accessibility which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry please go watch it i really really love making that show this week's episode is going to be about resident evil village and there is some footage of me being very small while Lady Demetrescu is very big, and you should go watch that. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. There's also some books, um, Uncomfortable Labels, that's out now. It's about being autistic and trans. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. It's got a bunch of pictures of butts in it and reviews of butts, and it's very good. Jindy Euphoria comes out on June 10th, which is super soon. I have like a thousand copies of that book in my house that I have to sign. Uh, so backer copies of that will be going out hopefully within the next week or so once my hand has made it through all these boxes. Also podcasts, Pixel Squirts, about video game character pornography, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games, and Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast. Go listen to it. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. 
Conrad, you used to be on that show. I did used to be on that show, and you can generally keep track of the things that I'm doing on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. Now with greatly reduced international shipping, it's yeah. so ch- it's almost like I'm shipping domestically. It's so close. Uh, real happy about that. Um, and thanks to everybody who's been ordering from outside the United States lately. You also buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com if you don't want to deal with any mailings at all or support all of the crap I do on Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you can watch me on Twitch four days a week, Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays at a variety of times. One probably works for you. Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. And you know who has both a Patreon and a Twitch channel. I I wonder who that could be. Why, that's James Stephanie Sterling. (gasps) What? That is true. It is is true. I can confirm it is at patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Twitch is Jim Sterling. Also, I am personally very thrilled to be able to say that Rise Wrestling is coming back June 19th. Fantastic news. Mama's coming home. This is, yeah, this is, I mean, people know how important wrestling has been to me and this is my home promotion and they're back after over a year and as many people who have followed it will know i've been rise grand champion regent um sort of holding the top title for well over a year that was until last month where ziggy hyam defeated david lawless who was representing me uh, and took it and because of legal issues she's got to give it back so at the big rise return show in their will be a way to watch it live. I'm going to get that final confirmation and I will be able to let you know and it will be very easy to watch it live as well if it goes my way. But I will be getting it back. So if you want to tune in and watch my second reign as Grand Champion Regent, then do join in. It's going to be great. And royal. Regal at least. Uh, That's it. We're done. Bye. 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 Bye.